0: Yeah. So, so this morning, you yeah, know, as I prepared for this message this morning, it, it's one of those, ah, oh, Lord, do I, do you really want to, want me to preach this word? Or maybe, don't you want to give it to Skulk to preach? Or don't you want to give it to Brian to preach? Or somebody else? Because it's, it's something that, that's re- really close to my heart. And, and it's out of love. So, because God is love, eh? And the words that came through this morning is all about us just breaking walls and just being expectant. So, who of, who of us are like really expectant of God? Like, right? for God to do something in our midst? I guess all of us have this expectancy in us that God just come and do something in us. And we know that when the Holy Spirit moves, it's. For the common good of the family, it's not for us to get goosebumps. It's not for us to have a great experience. It is for the common good of this congregation. So I guess all of us have this expectation in us, and yeah. You know, if if I'm honest, this things in my life that I go like, yeah, oh, Lord. Just come and sort this out in my life. Just come and do this in my life. Because I need to change. And one of the very first things that, not not one of the first things, but when Jesus went back to Nazareth, I don't know if you guys know the story. He goes back to Nazareth. He's the first time back. I don't know if it's the first time, but but he's back in his hometown. And he goes to the synagogue. And then the priest or whoever's in charge gives him a scroll. And I believe that this guy was led by the Spirit. He gave him the book of Isaiah to read out of. And then Jesus goes to Isaiah, and we can put this up on the board. goes to Isaiah 61 61 verse 1, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to to the captives and the opening of prison of the prison to those who are bound and i believe in one way or another we are poor and we need jesus to come and help us and we are bound up and we are sometimes we're like just trapped and we don't know what to do we're either trapped in a relationship or we're trapped in our work or just the season that we are in we're trapped and or maybe we've got some sin and we need some deliverance of that so we we need the prison doors to open up for us so is it just me that's going to put up my hand or is there maybe some somebody else there that also can relate to that that we go through stuff come on you and I truly believe that there's always this stuff that that's happening. Because life happens. It's not as if everything's just smooth sailing and we can just fair winds the whole time. Life's not like that. We go through stuff. But I believe when God created us... He created a special place in our hearts, only for Him. It's like a sacred place that's only for Him. And we know that our God is a jealous God. So there's this sacred place in our hearts that's only for the King of Kings. That's there only for Him. So when we grew up, and some of the my age, so the older kind of guys here, um, we played a game and the game was called like King of the Hill or King of the Castle. In my case, it was King of the Tube. It was on, on a swimming pool, on a tractor tube. And I mean, we just offended that tube with everything we had. Who can relate to that? And and I think the whole uh, angels of the whole town was there just protecting the kids for not bumping their heads on the side of the the pool and getting stitches but we we defended that position we defended our position on the tube and we said no ways you're not going to get me i will rather drown than you getting me off this tube and it was a lacquer game and even my kids when they were a little bit younger and i think it's more a a boy and a guy thing and I, i think guys will still do that kind of a king of the hill thing so my, my boys will defend that, that little step in the pool, like fiercely. I mean, they will kick my little girl, almost in the face, just to get her off. I won't say which one of the boys would do that. But they would be so proud of defending that position. The king of the hill, king of the step, or king of the tube, or whatever. And you know what? There's actually something like that in the world. So there's actually a definition, if you go search, king of the castle, king of the hill, there's actually a definition for that. And I'm going to read you this definition, it says, king of the castle is an extremely advantageous position of comfort and well-being. It can also refer to someone who is in complete control of a situation and seems to have no problem at all maintaining that position. And on the one hand, we've got this thing Lord, I come to you and I give you my heart. I give you my life, everything. Just come and for me. Come and for me now. That's when we give our hearts to the Lord. We go like, Yes, Lord, I give you my heart and come and for me completely. And on the other side, we go like, I want to be king of my castle. So my question is, who's the king of your heart? This morning. And if we can go to Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19, it says, For this reason I bow my knees. This is when you give your heart to the Lord. You go, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may may be filled with all the fullness of God. Who wants to be filled with the fullness of God? Okay, so I still see there's some people hesitant that don't want to put up their hands. So if you don't want to put up your hand now, it's fine. You won't be filled with the fullness of God. So who wants to be filled with the fullness of God. I just want to see I just want to make sure that I'm in the right church. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you know, I've got a bit of a problem, eh? And it makes me think of a story, I don't know if you guys know the story of the woman. With a widow with a oil. So, just a bit of background. So, this widow, her son, uh, sorry, her husband was the son of the prophet. And then her husband died. And she calls out to Elijah and says, Elijah, I'm in big trouble. My creditors are coming to fetch my boys in order to pay off my debt. I don't know what to do. And Elijah comes and he says, What do you have? I've got a little bit of oil. And then Elijah says, Okay, go and fetch all the empty vessels that you have in your house, and even go to your neighbor's house and go and fetch those empty vessels. And then close the door and start pouring the oil into those vessels. She obeyed Elijah and she started pouring the oil. And the oil stopped flowing when there were no Empty vessels anymore. So the, here's the thing: only only an empty vessel could receive the oil. Not a vessel with something in it already. Not a cracked vessel. So my prayer this morning is that we can come to God and say, "God, come and fill me." But if we do that, we need to come with empty hearts. As an empty vessel. So, again, I want to ask, who is the king of your heart? So, in the beginning of the year, I had this great expectation. I said, God, come and move. And normally, I ask God at the end of the previous year or the beginning of this year, I ask God, God, just give me a word. What's the word that you give to me as a family, for my family, or as Andre? What's the word that you give me? And he gave me Psalm 63. Yeah, Psalm 63. So if you can put that up. And this is David. And it's an amazing story. So this is David praying to God. And he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Another translation says, my, my, my soul actually, my my body aches for you. God, my body aches for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, the story behind the scripture is, and I believe this is God that did this. So here's David, anointed king, very, very successful king. And I mean, he's anointed by God to be king of Israel. And here comes his son, Absalom, and he chased them into the wilderness. Yes, David, the anointed king, the one that's supposed to lead the country or the nation, and he loses his kingdom. Who of you sits with an anointing, or a a great talent, or you think you're called by God? You see, what happened here is I believe God came and He pointed to David's heart and He said, David, that sacred place in your heart that's meant for me, do you've got your kingdom there? Do you've got all your victories in that place? All your successes, is that in that place that's only supposed to be my place? God pointed to that, to His heart and said, I'm going to test your heart and see if your heart is still focused on me what amazing thing David did when he said God you are my God my soul longs for you my body aches for you and later on in the passage you read where David says I want to to praise you in the sanctuary again I want to go back to the place where I praise you David didn't go okay I want my kingdom back David said, the first words that David said is, God, you are my God. And David revealed his heart. Again, I want to ask you, who is the king of your heart? Or maybe somebody like, like Abraham. I mean, Abraham had this promise from God to have a son. God gave him a son. And then he started to have this great relationship with the son. I think he saw the future. He's going to be a father of many nations and it's just going to be amazing. He's got his son, Isaac, and then God comes and he says, Abraham, that place in your heart, the promise that I gave you, is that where it's supposed to be? Is Isaac sitting as an idol? In your heart. And God pointed to His to Abraham's heart and said, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. What would we do if we have a promise from God, maybe of a husband or a wife or children or great business? And God comes and says, I've given you the promise that I gave you. You've got the promise. But I'm pointing to your heart and saying, Is that at the right place? Am I still king of your heart? Or is the promise that I've given you, has that taken up that place? Has that become an idol in your heart? And we've read that actually Abraham sacrificed his son. You can read that in Hebrews, that he actually sacrificed his son. So Abraham just went and said, God, you're still king of my heart. And I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you remain in my heart. Again, who is the king of your heart this morning? And it makes me think of Jesus when he speaks to the church, to to the church of Ephesus. If we can read that in Revelation 2. And this is, so, so, there's a lot of churches, and Jesus speaks to these different churches. And I'm just, I just want to read it from verse 2. It says, I know your works. So this is actually a good church. These guys are serving God. They are not, like, almost wanted to use a bad word. Okay, but, but they're serving God. Okay, so it says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance. I know you cannot be with those who are evil, but i have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Oh my goodness, us serving at church and being committed at church should never replace God, should never replace our love for God. And even though David and Abraham were amazing people, God just asked, do you still love me? Am I still on the throne of your heart? I just quickly want to ask, where's Lo? So this is like a thing he didn't know, he didn't prepare. So if he stumbles on his words, it's fine. No, Lo, just quickly go. He's just going to share something that happened at the camp that's in line with... The preach this morning
1: morning everyone um, hope you're well so when we were camping in Creighton, uh two weeks ago I thought yes because I'm training for a race and I thought ah different territory I'm going to go and run there but and um, do a long run in the morning and Saturday morning I set out and I drove a little bit and I got to a nice place and I w- which I researched ahead of time and I wanted to run this circular route. Come back in the morning and still enjoy the camp with everyone. And as I started running, I kind of didn't find the path. I'm running this way and I'm running that. And I'm, I'm coming back and I'm seeing, is this the path? Is this the path? And there's just overgrown thorns and there's a little river, but I'm not finding the path. And um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's early in the morning, half past five, six. Lord, must I turn back? Must I go back to the camp? And, but no, I'm p- pressing forward, you know. And about two weeks before that, I felt like the Lord asked me, "Are you idolizing your running?" Because I'm training for a race, and I, I enjoy my running. But I felt like the Lord asked me, "Are you idolizing your running?" And I thought, "No, Lord. You know, that's an easy answer. No, Lord, I'm not idolizing it. I'm, I'm just enjoying it. You know, but I need to get 40 minutes. I need to get 10, 20 kilometers. I need to, you know, that needs to be for the week." And as I'm running, I kind of, the path opens up at some stage, and I run, and I thought, yes, I've got the path, you know, and I'm running. And I go up, and it like weaves over like this little, this hill, and I'm going, and as I'm running, the path kind of stops. And I'm like, I thought this was the path, you know, but I just, there it stops. In the middle of nowhere, it seems like nothing. And I feel like the Lord asked me to sit on a rock there, and I'm sitting on the rock, but now I'm thinking I need to, you know, get this distance. And I feel like the Lord just speaks to me and says, go back to the camp. Go and spend time with my people, which was the church family that was there. And I thought, I just want to be obedient to him. I'm just going to not turn off anywhere. I'm just going to go back down, jog to my car, get there and drive back to the camp. And on the way, jogging back, you know, you see little routes. I want to take a left. I want to take a right, but I was just like, I'm just going to continue to go back. And then on the way, I just kind of felt like the Lord told me, you are part of my people. And I came there and I joined in and I, there was prayer happening. There was a morning devotion and there was prayer happening and uh, praying for some, for some, some of the guys. And as i stood there i felt the lord gave me a word for someone and i and i prayed it and and it, the lord did a work with it the lord used it and i was just like whoa if i came off an hour later if i came five minutes later i would not have been able to to be that vessel that the lord could use
0: thank you Lord. it's going to be awkward but i i always tell the youth I'm not intimidated by silence. So, but just, just a moment, just get quiet before God, and ask Him. God, is there anything in my heart that's an idol? Is it my kids, the schools they go to? Is it the sport that I'm doing? Is it my job, my occupation, my ambition? Is my calling the promise that You gave me? Is there something, Lord, in my heart that offends you? Something that's not from you, just for a while. See, the other guy that I want to talk to you about is a guy that I feel you. I think the two of us are more or less the same kind of person. And um, yeah, the more I read about this oak in the Bible, the more I go, I think we would have been like great chummies." And it's jacob i mean jacob was just this i mean to trade a bowl of soup for birthright i mean that's just amazing i think that's the best trade ever that guy can sell ice to eskimos he can because that is amazing what he did but that's jacob so jacob was this guy that he could do anything he had this amazing amazing ability and i think he would have been living in this time he would have been like this rich guy but he relied on his own strength so obviously he basically stole his birthright from Esau Esau, and then was really successful in building up his flocks and all his servants and all those things and then came a time when his natural ability ran out kind of thing so he left the place where they were living and went back to where he's he's from and so i think he sort of thought okay maybe i must just test the waters and he sent some of his servants just to see what's going on and his servants came back and said okay but Esau Esau is on his way and I think he was like just scared, completely scared. And he thought, what am I going to do? His natural ability just stopped right there. He couldn't manipulate people. He couldn't sell him out of that position. He couldn't negotiate himself out of that position. He's just, he's always coming and he's probably mad. So he sort of thought, oh, okay, maybe I send all the animals in front of me and then I'll send all my servants, and then I'll send all my kids, and then, okay, I'm willing to sacrifice all my wives, I'm going to send all my wives, and and then I'll be the last one to go, kind of thing. So you can read the story, that's basically what happened. But that night, he wrestles with God. And he wrestles, and the Bible says he wrestled with God until the morning. And then he said... God, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray. But he prayed that. He said, okay, I've got no way out. God, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And then God did something amazing. He touched his hip. And for the rest of his life, he walked with a limb. So the sign in that is God touched his physical ability. Because he relied on his physical ability. He had this great talent and he this great ability. But when he prayed, God bless me, God touched his physical ability as a sign not to rely on your physical ability. So we see that at the end him and Esau gets reunited and it's an amazing thing but guys the most dangerous thing is if we put ourselves our physical ability as an idol in our hearts if we go you yeah, know i can do this and we stop relying on god and we stop relying on the holy spirit We need to check if we are king, kings of our own heart because sometimes it's comfortable and it's easy and i can it's I, I sort of can control that remember that definition of king of king of the castle it's an extremely advantageous position of comfort and well-being okay i'm in control it's going well with me and it's comfortable It can also refer to someone who is in complete control. I'm in control. So, yeah, okay, my kids can go there because that's the best. Or maybe this is the best way that I should go with a company. Or this is the best wife to marry. Or no. That's your physical ability. Of a situation that seems to have no problem at all maintaining the position. I mean, that's amazing. If I'm in control, I maintain the position that I'm in. And and Jesus actually speaks about those kind of people like me. So again, I have to repent. And I'm standing here and I go, I have to repent, God, because sometimes I just want to take control of my life. It's, I don't want to give it to you because I don't know what's going to happen. So Lord, I want to take control of my life a few years ago, like Jacob, I came to a point where we literally lost everything. And I had to go, okay God, but I don't know, I can't rely on my own abilities, my talents. I can't rely on that anymore. You have to take control. So in Revelations 3 verse 15 and 17, God speaks about. These kind of people. And it's a very harsh word. So I'm sorry, but it's surrounded with love. You guys know I'm doing a little love thingy for you guys. So when I read this, please take it out of love. But this is pointing to my heart. And God a lot of time points to my heart and say, Andre, are you still king of your heart? So when I read this, look at me. I'm the first one to repent and say, God, please, i I never want to be the king of my own heart. And it says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. With that, you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And here comes the important part. For you say. So we we people that like to be on, on the throne of our own hearts, we go like, uh, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Oh my goodness, what deception it is to be the king of your own heart. So this morning, again, I want to ask, who is the king of your, own, of your heart? Is it Jesus that's king of your heart? Or is it a promise? Your gift, your talent, your kids, your wife, your parents, your job, your car, your house, your bank balance, your sport. Who's the king of your heart? And here's this thing, like I just love David's heart. So I don't know if you guys can can play. Just, so I just love David's heart. So we know what happened with Absalom and that he said, God, you're my God. My soul longs for you. My body aches for you. But then this is the prayer that I believe we as Christians must always pray. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. David prays this prayer. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, come and point. Take your finger, point at my heart and say, and say, say, Andre, that thing in your heart is not from me. I'm a jealous God. God is a jealous God. And if there's something in our hearts that's not from him he's going to point to that and if we don't take it out and we don't remove it he will come and remove it i promise you he will do that and if you are the king of your own heart oh boy that's not a lack of place to be in but that's the love of god He wants to come and point things out remember right in the beginning when i said when i spoke about the widow with the vessels of oil this morning i want to challenge you challenge all of us i'm challenging myself and say if there's something in your heart that's not supposed to be there, and you still go, God, fill me up. God, bless me. I almost want to say, how can you ask that if there's something in your heart, if you've got a dirty vessel and a vessel that's got something already in that? How can you ask that? We need to come to God and lay everything bare before Him and say, God, I'm empty. I'm emptying out myself. This thing in my heart that's not from you, remove that, from me point that out because i want to be in front of you and just receive from you god i want more of you all of you guys put up your hand earlier to say i want more of god all of us put up our hands, and i'm the first one this morning to say god search me search my heart come and point out that's something that's not for you."